Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Economy Guy. This is Tom Harvey. I want you to be able to make great, informed financial decisions. And so the purpose of this podcast is to give you information, to give you some facts. I'm also going to share some of my opinions on world economic affairs. This is macroeconomics, not micro, my, macro, high-level stuff. Uh, occasionally, I'll get sidetracked, and I'll... Uh, but those sidetracks have an impact on e the economy, and so they have a purpose. In addition, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and life and where I am and what I'm doing. So stay tuned, and here we go. Hello, Economy Guy listeners. Welcome to 2021. We made it. It's a brand new year with a whole year's potential ahead of us. Isn't that exciting? It is Saturday, January 2nd, so I'm a day early sending this out. Normally I put it out on a Sunday, but nothing's changed because I'm really going to talk about last year. What happened in two areas. One is the markets in general uh, and what's going to happen with the markets in the, in the economy. And second, the virus, which is the big story of last year. So but there were so many lessons learned through the thing. I thought it would be worth recapping the history of it and the lessons learned so that we can all hopefully go together arm in arm to a, uh, a happy conclusion of that virus. So let's see now. First of all, uh, let's start with the stock market. If you were in the stock market, uh, in general, the stock market in the United States went up a little over 18% last year. It was a great year for stocks, a great year. So if you were the, had your stocks at the beginning of the year, held on through the downs and the ups and the wringing of hands and crying and yelling, uh, you came out really well and good for you. Now, uh, I talk about gold a lot, so let's talk about gold. This year, gold went up 24.5%, more than stocks, I'm happy to say. Uh, that's after last year, 2019, it went up 19%. So, 19 the year before, this year, last year, 24.5%. Uh, this coming year, I predict a big year because I don't see any of the environment that pushed gold up in 2020. I don't see it changing in 2021. It might just become worse and more, more, more pushy, you might say. But what outdid gold, you might ask? Well, it's something I did talk about occasionally along the year, and that is silver. Silver went up 47% last year, and it is uh, in a wonderful position to uh, perhaps even double it might go up 100% in 2021. It is in a fabulous position to get there. Uh, its all-time high is around $50 an ounce. It could easily break $50 an ounce this coming year. So um, I've always said silver is better than uh, gold for potential, and uh, but it's riskier. It's also more volatile. Um, so there, there you have it. For what take it for what it's worth. It's all good. The Fed was the main player in the markets. Why? Because they created inflation. 
you know, what's the definition of inflation? It's more money. It's money being printed out of thin air. And the Fed did that. How do they account for it? Well, they have uh, their balance sheet. When they create money out of thin air, they tell how much they created, and they put that on their balance sheet. Their balance sheet exploded from about $4 trillion at the beginning of last year to about over $7 trillion at the end of the, that last year, and it's just going to get much higher. Uh, we have new stimulus bills. We're going to have a new administration coming in with a lot more spending. I, I don't care who is the president next time. We're going to have a lot more spending. I see another it easily $3 trillion. I think at the end of 2021, there'll be $10 trillion on the Fed's balance sheet, assuming something catastrophic doesn't happen, like a meltdown of some sort. So what does all that money thrown in there mean? What all that money means is inflation. Woohoo! Watch out. Now, uh, how do you know what is inflation? That's CPI. It comes from the money growth. How do you measure money? Uh, the classic way people look at it is M2. There's M1, M2, M3, M4. There's different measures of the amount of money that's out there sloshing around in the economy in the United States. M2 is the typical measure that people are using. It went up a lot because the balance sheet of the Fed went up. There's another one that is a, a pretty good one to use called TMS. For those of you who want to look that up, educational moment here. Um, we have... Uh, It looks like that the money printing that's going on is at a, an historic high and it's not going to slow down in 2021. So we're moving right into 2021. And uh, 2020, last year, the thing that pushed our uh, a lot of the money printing was the U.S. government deficit, which was uh, huge. I mean, it was just huge. Three, three point one three seven trillion dollars oh that's a deficit i mean that means boy they knew how to spend money in the government let me tell you more than they have this is the delta over what they have so so be it so where is uh, what's my prediction for 2021 overall well you have to make some assumptions is the virus going to stop is the virus going to go away and that's a good question uh it appears to have gone away in china Magic! Wonderful! Are the Chinese, uh, do they have a hereditary background that allows them to not be... But wait a minute, didn't a bunch of people in China die? Uh, no, I think they can catch it just like we can catch it. But they appear to be open for business and go on full steam. So uh, I don't see why the rest of the world can't follow in suit and be just be done with that. With the assumption that the virus is over... Well, I would see 2021 being a boom year. In fact, at the, by the end of the year, coming back to what I call normal, which means back to where we started before the virus. Uh, but uh, I, you could also be cynical about this. There are a lot of pressures for political pressures, especially to have lockdowns. Oh, lockdown. We have, we have to lock down. Follow the science. Follow the science. Ah! And if we do that, we're going to screwed. We're screwed. Okay. So... Uh, so that's not good because we won't get back to what I call normal. Those are the predictions I have for next year. 
with the rationale that goes with them. Next, I'm going to be talking about the history of the virus, and that's a lot more interesting, I think. So, do you all remember the virus at the beginning of 2022? February was the month I remember in the United States, but in reality, it's been discussed that perhaps the virus was loose even as early as late 19, uh, 2019, so November, December, something like that. Uh, you can, we can discuss where it came from, details, but certainly uh, all evidence points at China. And, uh, and how did the world react? Well, the health authorities really woke up when China was in deep despair, and Italy was in deep despair with the virus, and, and then panicked, in my opinion. Uh, so what it did is it, the health authorities focused on the virus and the, the uh, what could come from the virus and forgot about the cost of doing lockdowns because they went straight to a world lockdown, which is what was implemented. So uh, why did they do that? Well, they had models. The models were pretty good, but the data in the models stunk. There, was, there were no good, there were just guesses as to what the death rate was and how uh, contagious, how fast this could spread. Those numbers were put in there. So the models spit out numbers like for the United States that two and a half million people would die in the United States, right? Kaboom. Well, what they failed to do was with time to replace the data with scientifically produced data, which we have today, those models would now produce the right numbers, but they didn't then, and the numbers they produced just created panic, panic, which created the lockdown. So we really had some terrible health uh, policy decisions that went on all over the globe. So rather than uh, predicting uh, or protecting what they you'd think rather than protecting the high risk population which we turns out to be the elderly with uh, you know underlying causes of health bad health uh, rather than protecting those people uh, we went instead to a lockdown i mean those are two different decisions protect a, a group of people or do a lockdown for everyone they went to the lockdown that was a very wrong decision uh, hospitals, why? Because the evidence showed in China and Italy that hospitals were being overrun with people, right? And uh, so, my goodness gracious, we can't have let them being overrun. So when you had some elderly patients in uh, hospitals, uh, you sent them home to their nursing homes. Uh, that happened in New York, and thousands of elderly people died because it was spread into the n nursing homes. Catastrophic decision catastrophic, very, very bad. Rather than protecting, they did just the opposite and killed elderly people. Um, now you could ask, you know, well, why were there no heart attacks as this thing went on? You know, there seemed to be a lot of COVID deaths, but the number of heart attack people dying with heart attacks was, was very low. Well, it turns out there were a lot of heart attacks. People died of heart attacks and they, because they were staying home because they were afraid to go to the hospital. 
that was due to the absolute insane panic that was created by the mainstream media. And uh, no one would go near a hospital. So you stayed home and you died. It was uh, very simple. So what we can say is that the uh, decisions that were made were strictly health decisions on uh, catching and killing the virus and nothing, no consideration whatsoever for the economic ramifications of it. That was a terrible mistake that was were made by the people in charge. And our, some of those same mistakes are still being made. Let's talk about today. Where are we today? Well, the latest poll in the United States shows that in a ratio of two to one, people consider the economic fallout of the virus uh, more important than the virus itself. Kind of interesting, right? What's another topic about uh, schools? Schools uh, in the world are generally open, you know, for in in uh, teacher present schoolroom instruction, right? Uh, why is that? Well, it's a proven fact now that children are less likely to get sick and less likely to transmit the disease themselves. So the younger they are, the less likely they're going to get sick. And if they get sick, the less likely it's severe. It's very mild. And they don't transmit it. That means that they're safe and their parents are safe and the teachers are safe. You, know, you could add some social distancing perhaps in a school if you felt uh, so inclined, but that's about it. But in the United States, some schools are open and some schools are not open. They're closed. Uh, and that's really because of the ignorance of these facts. People don't aren't not considering the welfare of the children. They're con considering something else when they're deciding to close the school. Why are there, is there a problem in schools? Well, two reasons. One is politics. Politics is playing a big part. Uh, can't deny that uh, when you see where and how the lockdowns are. It's uh, the labor unions, the educational labor unions are radical in some cases and say and are not uh, clearly are not taking in, into consideration the welfare of children. They're making their decisions and recommendations based on other rationale. And the second reason that we're in this mess with children is the mainstream media has created a panic and they have done a great, great disservice in the world across the globe. So shame on them. Uh, so if you're a, a children, for example, say you're a six-year-old and you're trying to learn to read, you can't do that on using Zoom. It just can't. So we're losing. With that. With children are not in class, they are truly falling behind. A tragedy that uh, is lost. I don't know how you make that up in general. I mean, some students can. I would imagine most students can't make that up. What else is going on today? Well, uh, a good comparison would be if you compare, compare what's going on in Florida versus uh, California or New York. Florida is totally open. Restaurants are fully busy. Uh, the uh, rate of... Uh, people dying is as low or lower in Florida that is is in California or New York. And so, uh, but yet California and New York are in full lockdown. 
Uh, that is a stark difference. So somebody is not following, following the science. And naturally, there's an argument on which side it, it is. I'm not, not going to get into the argument. But uh, what is going on there is, I mean, you know, I've always said in the past, Florida versus California, you know, Disney World in Florida is open. Disneyland in California is closed. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. That, that is literally insane. Uh, there are a lot of people in California, naturally, who are defiant to the uh, state's regulations of uh, staying in, inside and not working and not have, going to restaurants and restaurants being closed and all that. So uh, let's move on to other topics. Well, how, how did the World Health Organizations do in this uh, pandemic? Like uh, the World Health Organization or the CDC or the NIRD or the NHI or uh, et cetera, et cetera. So around the world, all the major people that we look to to be our leaders in the case of a health climate. Well, uh, probably their performance was fairly mediocre, right? I mean, you look at all the mind changing that went on and the conflicting recommendations and et cetera, et cetera. Mediocre at best. I mean, I, you could be more negative than mediocre, actually. Uh, they had, uh, initially when the virus hit, uh, what came out of all those health organizations were very bad specifics about the virus itself. Very, just wrong information. Uh, and all that, what that came out of them helped in a big way to create the panic that the mainstream media broadcast. So again, a, a negative for the health organizations that were out there. I'd like to go on with uh, one of the major areas of, that has happened with the virus, and that's the whole topic of testing. In the past, I've said, let's test, 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 because it gives people, uh, feel, makes them feel safe. Uh, in the past, when I've flown on an airplane and the airline required everyone to have a negative test before getting on the airline, it made me feel safe. That felt good. We're in a different world today. We know much more, and I'm completely changing my opinion about testing. So what am I saying now? I say, uh, let's don't test healthy people, and let's don't test young people. In other words, and that happens to be CDC policy today. That's what I'm saying. I mean, let's follow the CDC policy. Do not, If somebody's healthy, don't test them. Don't go searching for the virus. Don't look for it. Okay, just don't do that. Now, you may want to disagree with that. Why am I saying that? Well, because it, an asymptomatic person, right, uh, can spread the disease, but at a much, much lower rate, we know that now, than an, a person who is actively is coughing and spitting, right? So uh, how is the virus actually spread? It appears that it, it is through droplets. When someone sneezes, coughs, those droplets are what's spreading it. It's not the virus sitting on a table, it's etc. You know, it's so just decent hygiene protects you the best. So when someone has it, staying at home really works. Now anybody that's at home with them is in trouble and needs to be highly protected. But if long as they're in the house, the rest of the population is is uh, protected, so that that kind of that's good 
for testing. So it's just those with active cases. Uh, well, what's happened is we did too much testing. We used to, we then publish, we're still publishing the number of people who have the virus, you know, whether they're asymptomatic or not, which they could be. And uh, that number just going, and what does that do? It creates a reason to have a lockdown, right? Because that's what the politicians are following. And it, uh, and, and that is really, really bad. And it, that is the visceral reaction to the number created by testing positives. Well, you can have negative positive, or, you know, uh, false positives, and they're, they're frequent. Uh, did you know that uh, more kids have caught the flu and they can transmit the flu really well. If you're a parent, you know that because they bring it home to you really fast. More kids have caught the flu in 2020 than caught COVID-19. Did you know that? I mean, there's a statistic for you. Kids are not catching the darn virus. And yet all we hear on the news is virus, 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 right? So testing is uh, inaccurate. You get lots of false positives, right? And... Um, and if, if a person has had the virus and then they're over the virus, their body still has viral fragments. And those viral fragments can be picked up on a test and it gives you a positive result, right? Yet that person is not spreading anything. They're perfectly fine. So, you know, the numbers of positive tests is, is a, a pretty false indicator. So I'm saying no, just, hey, test in order to prove somebody has it that is in trouble and needs help and help that person, that's the reason to have testing, not to go searching for people with the virus. So let's look at what's going on today regarding the death rate caused by the virus. It's actually come down significantly from the beginning days last February or, or so. So in less than a year's time, we are making major progress. So why is that? Well, current treatment for extremely bad cases uh, that caused death in the past are being treated with steroids. Did you ever hear, hear of that? That's a uh, much more common treatment now. And, uh, and I'm glad to hear it because people's lives are being saved. Uh, also, at the beginning, there was kind of an over-aggressive uh, use of ventilators. That, that wasn't good for people. Did you know that the uh, the current death rate for the virus is at 997 or to 998 people out of a thousand survive it? But those are people who have actually caught the virus, 997, 998, which is great for them and really bad for the two or three people that died. That means that there's a 0.2 or 0.3 percent chance of dying if you catch it. Uh, naturally, if you have underlying uh, diseases. Uh, that's bad, and you should be extra cautious. So I'll just add that uh, for those of you out there that are like that. So it's uh, did here's another little tidbit for you. Did you know that it's it over the last couple of decades, people have been trying to make a vaccine for the coronavirus. There's various piece types of coronavirus, and it's been extremely difficult to make a vaccine. So coming up with any vaccine now, if it works, is uh, something close to a miracle. 
Conversely, if it was that hard, how did we get this one so fast? So add that to your thought process. Um, here's another little tidbit. Did you know from the SARS virus or the MERS virus that happened that they just disappeared from the face of the earth and nobody knows why? Add that little tidbit. Is that going to happen to this virus? Who knows? It hasn't disappeared yet. But uh, that's one of those mysteries in life that comes along. Well, what lessons have we learned so far about this virus that are the important ones? Well, the first one, false, uh, false narratives, right? The, a lockdown, a lockdown does not eradicate the disease, period. It doesn't work. A lockdown does not work. Okay, so a lot of people think a lockdown is what's going to keep make this thing go away. That's not true. That doesn't stop the disease from spreading. And that, how about more testing is better? That's false, just false. So we've talked about testing a lot there. Uh, so, it, so testing is good. It depends entirely on how the data is used. If the data is used for pure panic and to scare people, no. That's not good. Uh, but if it's used to help people, yes, that is good. How about the cost of the lockdown, which was not considered at the beginning? That's been a disaster, right? And the consequences of the lockdown are even more catastrophic. Did you know that, that 100 million, between 100 million and 200 million children are going to starve to death in the world? because of the lockdown. These are in addition to uh, people that would, that, that these people wouldn't have done it if we hadn't had the virus, these, these children. That's because of lockdowns. Now, who took that into consideration? What great health authority actually foresaw that coming? And aren't we supposed to save lives? One to 200 million children. Rather frightening, I think, and that's pretty well accepted figure. So with that, uh, that's it for today. A uh, lot of information there about the virus for you to think about, and uh, I'll be talking to you in a week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market and I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.